We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey everybody, Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. To you, the listener, I want you to know that I appreciate you, and I'm thrilled to have you here for another episode. If there's ever anything that I can do to support you, please reach out. That being said, here's two ways you can connect with me. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation around networking, check out our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. LinkedIn is the channel that you're going to find me most active on. Just search for Lori Hybe. You can simply click the follow button as I post daily information about marketing strategy, tips, all podcast episodes, and any upcoming events. If you'd like to connect, make sure to just send a note with your connection request that references Social Capital. I can't wait to hear from you. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency that believes in order to successfully market to your ideal customer, you have to first understand your customer. Learn more at keystoneclick.com. Today's guest is Alex Eichstead. Alex is a co-founder of Ike Media and graduate of the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Alex is the host of the top-rated Green Bay Packers, Milwaukee Bucks, Milwaukee Brewers, and Wisconsin Badgers podcast on the Apple Podcast platform. He loves producing original music. With You can find that at Ike Music on Spotify and currently resides in Oslo, Norway, where he's been working to expand the influence of the Ike brand internationally. Alex, welcome to the show. Laurie, thank you for having me. Listeners who are tuning in, I'm very excited to join the podcast today. Let's dive into it. For sure. So I've got to ask right away, how is moving to Norway added value to the Ike brand and impacted you as an individual? Well, it's it's been so big for the international presence of Ike. So Ike, we've always had this goal of creating an international brand. That is something that we strategically thought about from the beginning when we set up the brand. Mm -hmm. And how do you make that a reality, right? So the first step actually was when I was in school at Madison, I was invited to a international sports conference in Switzerland. I was one of 50 international global challengers that's what they called it, or disruptors to the sports industry because of what we did on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And that kind of really just got my brain going because I got to meet all different cultures hear all these different perspectives on sports, um, make all these great connections all over the world. And it just felt like my time or my chapter in Europe was not over. You know, it just wasn't that week at the conference. I had to continue to expand those relationships and the influence of the brand. So um, I, when I moved to Norway, it was definitely one of the craziest things I ever did. And sometimes I, I can't even believe that I did it. Um, I think the word that describes it was brave, mm -hmm. but it's something that's so, I think, relatable and, and people, you know, have to take a chance in life in some points, whether it's starting a business or moving to a new city and, what always happens if you embrace that opportunity is good things, you know, and that's been exactly what's happened for Ike. We've been able to not only connect with athletes then in the United States, but, um, you know, sprinters or, you know, athletes in Europe, soccer players, models, um, 
all sorts of new people. And it's expanded my, the way I view the world. I, I view it through a much larger lens now. And that, that has been so great for my personal, personal development, as well as Ike's content strategy, its positioning, its brand positioning, the type of music we create. So it really stems down deeper into the brand. It's not like I can point to one thing that it specifically changed, but it's had a huge impact and influence on the brand. And it's brought in a ton of international listeners. That's something we're very proud of on our podcast network is that we have over a hundred countries listening to our podcasts. And so sometimes you have to pinch yourself that you can go to Norway and one of the you know best athletes in Norway is listening to your Milwaukee Bucks podcast. And then you, you talk over that and it's just kind of a smaller world than you would imagine. Um, but it's really helped define that Ike is not just a United States brand. It's an international brand, a global brand. Yeah, I love that. I think your story is great. And I mean, just give yourself a nice pat on the back for, for being brave. I, I think that's a fantastic word to describe that and really stepping outside of your comfort zone. But, you know, everyone that I talk to that pushes themselves outside of their comfort zone, they have no regrets. You know, it just makes them a bigger, better, stronger, more powerful more confident human being. And I think that's, that's, that's fantastic. So well done. Thank you. You know, it definitely is something that uh, I think I'll remember forever. So, and, and I it. can speak a second language now. So that's always been a personal goal of mine as well. And to learn a second language without being bilingual, that has also given me the confidence that I can learn other things that are complicated. So um, yeah, it's just kind of given me confidence, like you said. That's cool. So I know Ike is really focused on podcasts. Let's talk about that a little bit for someone that maybe was considering starting a podcast, but why hasn't yet or hasn't, you know, moved forward and doing it yet. Why should they just go in and do it this year? Because it's how you create genuine connection with people today. Mm -hmm. It's so hard in a world of social media, a world of, you know, constant small and shorter content. We're all trying to intake shorter content to really create a genuine connection with person. And the real way I first kind of got the hint was through the music we produced is that, you know, people who listen to your music, they don't just listen once, they listen multiple times, and then they feel like they almost know you at a personal level. And so the podcasting is kind of a continuation of that. You can share your story, you can let people get to know you, you can be vulnerable. And that's how you grow genuine connections. I think, you know, when's the last time I've sat down and watched a video on YouTube on my phone for 30 minutes? It's, it's really rare that I'll do that. But podcasting, I can ingest that in so many passive ways. I think that it's just reaching more people each day. And uh, it's very forward looking. So if you want to set up something that's not going to you know, disappear in five years, and that will be around for 10, for 20, for even 50 to 100 years, I believe that is podcasting. I believe that's audio-based content. And so that's why I'm so excited to encourage people to, you know, take a free consultation with us, hop on the phone with us, let us talk about podcasts, explain it to you, and really how it can help your business or brand create real revenue and value through networks. For sure. Um, let's talk about that for a little bit on the B2B side of things. How can podcasts really create value for B2B businesses? 
for B2B businesses, it's kind of a lot of people think, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to reach the, cons- the customers, you know, the, the C level, but the B2B, it's the network building. So if you have a podcast, for example, in the fintech realm, getting business in that realm either requires going to conferences, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to attend these big conferences in Amsterdam, such as, you know, Money 2020, or you got to put up a lot of money. But the podcasting is a way to make that connection with someone. You can invite them instead of trying to say, hey, I want to sell you something. You can say, hey, I'd love to have you on my podcast. You get to learn about that person. You get to connect with them, see how well you vibe, almost develop a little bit of a friendship relationship during the show. And then that leads to business. That leads to staying in contact. And it's it's almost like a foot in the door for a lot of ways that you can't normally get that foot in the door. I, I find that the conversion is much, much better to just say, hey, would you like to join my podcast? Would you like to have a conversation rather than saying, hey, would you like to purchase this? Or would you like to, uh, you know, explore this in a sales-oriented mindset? So I think for B2B, uh, they can really benefit from just the network of it. Not only the network of it, but the way it can help grow your brand within an industry too. If you want to be a thought leader, podcast is a great way to become a thought leader because you get to talk about the industry Talk about what your business does, why it's different, what makes your technical you know, advantage better than your competitors. And I think just getting that word out, getting, the, you know, getting that out on the internet is so beneficial. It's just, I've seen, seen the results time and time again. And so I always encourage people, it's not just about having a huge audience. It's also about your guests a lot of the time. Are you connecting with the guest? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really an important thing. Um, even for us in the sports world, like connecting with a, a player rather than just, you know, doing it for the fans of the sports team. It's to build those relationships with the players, which then might lead to an NIL deal or something like that, which is exactly what happened for us in the case of Caesar Williams, uh, the Wisconsin cornerback, is we started off on a podcast. And a lot of relationships have been built that way. So I encourage people to also think about the relationship building potential of podcasts. No, there's so much truth to that. I mean, that's the the irony right now is that this is the focus of this podcast is relationships. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but that is the value of it is it's an easy way to connect. And, you know, it's not a sales pitch. It's building that relationship and building rapport and establishing trust and it's a fantastic tool and resource and you mentioned it earlier too like the stuff you're producing now has a very long shelf life it's going to be around for five ten years you know it's not just a you it's not like a tweet you know that has a life of you know 10 seconds (laughs) exactly It, it can go a long ways for you and, and if you like a certain guest or you want to, you know, reference something in the past, I find myself going back to uh, numerous podcasts, almost like a good album. That's mm-hmm. kind of where I draw that comparison to music is some podcasts are timeless. Yep. And that's that's really important. It's really hard to make a timeless, you know, post or, or a timeless, you know, advertising campaign. You're going to spend a lot more money doing that. But if you really have a great conversation or you know a great episode that can live 
for a while. And, you know, you can often revisit that. I know me and some of my friends, we are, we often revisit when the Bucks won the, when the championship, the, the, the podcast, we did that next day because you can almost put yourself back into the moment of that time. Uh, you always hear that music is so good to help with Alzheimer's and things where memory retention and I think podcasting is a very similar way. It almost takes you to that place that uh, puts you in a world in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. Totally. Love that. All right. This is going to be a great time to pause for a quick message from our sponsor. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. Alex, the purpose of this show, as I mentioned, is all about relationships and networking. And for some people, when they hear that word networking, it evokes fear, hesitation, any some sort of uncertainty. And I'm hoping to remove that fear. And I'm hoping you can help me. So can you share with our listeners one of your most successful or favorite networking experiences that you've had? Yeah, it's uh, it actually comes from uh, one of the first times I went to Europe is there's this common expression you'll hear from people as like an invitation. It's, would you like to take a coffee? Lori, would you like to take a coffee with me? And what that really means is you just grab a coffee with that person and you sit down and you, you talk while you drink that coffee, whether it's, you know, at a couch in a cafe. And it's something that I just kind of noticed that these you know, business people that I was around, um, people that I was looking up to, were using as an easy way to start the conversation. Because it's if you say, hey, do you want to sit down and talk about podcasting? People might put up a hesitation saying, hey, not right now. Um, maybe later, you know, that, or you know, let's get it on the calendar. But if you say, let's just take a coffee or something simple, it's that same way with the podcast invitation we just talked about. It's an easier way to get your foot in the door. And I found that whether the person doesn't drink coffee or not, it's just almost a casual way to invite them into your world. Um, would you say that, in your opinion, Lori, that you find that you would accept an invitation much easier if it involves some type of you know, drink or food, beverage or meal, for example? Um, yes and no. <laughs> There's a lot of variables when, and it depends on, um, let's see. How, I would say early on in my networking. Yes. I was always on board for meeting as many people as possible. Now that my network is quite extensive and my time is limited. Um, you know, one of the things that really changed up the networking game with COVID is the the zoom connecting you know or doing the virtual oh, yeah. connecting so it's like instead of taking you know for some reason it's like it's always an hour if it's a networking coffee food thing but on zoom it's like hey we can crank this out in 20 minutes <laughs> exactly so, we don't have to go we don't have to travel either <laughs> sure yeah yeah that can do a back-to-back so i think there's some there's some pros and cons but you know um i've done some in person again recently and i know that there's you know 
ups and downs with uh, everyone's got a different level of comfort meeting in person, but I find that um, it's just a better conversation. It's, you, you know, there's so many more positives to the in-person networking versus the virtual and, you know, the virtual, you can still have yes. some really deep rooted connections. Um, and I have made some amazing contacts with people I've never met, you know, in person um, and have some fantastic conversations with them, but there's just something about in-person. It's, you know, the, the, the mystery of the universe, I guess, you know, it's the, the well, non-verbals so and, you know, all those things that are different. Well, it's so interesting you bring that up because I actually had that realization the other day of just seeing someone in real life almost because we see each other so often through our, our screens these days, whether it's on a Zoom or in a social media app. And just if you, whether it's you run into them somewhere or you, you know, have a sit down, that impression is so much stronger and it's like you're in the moment there with that person rather than you're just kind of um, through the screen. And, and I, I felt that my way is I try to build more genuine in-person relationships. I think when I think back to the Switzerland conference, going back to that is that's one of those conferences that exploded my reach internationally, mm -hmm. whether it was people from Russia, people from Africa, South America, all over Europe is it was only a three-day conference, but just because we were all there and in person, I have now built this network of connections throughout the world in my industry, the sports industry, that I can reference and build on the rest of my life. And friends of their friends, you know, they can they can say, "Oh, I met this guy at this conference. He's a great person." Not not just oh, we connected one time through uh, a Zoom or something like that. And I think those type of memories where you can recall a certain place and a time where you were in person with that person is just so strong. So I do try to get myself into more in-person networking, bringing it back to the original question is I think it's a great way to spend marketing money rather than going and spending money on, uh, you know, digital ads or for say is put yourself in a position to meet a new network, whether that's joining a, uh, you know, a club or joining a, a certain group is that is a really good way to, I think, invest um, money to expand your brand or business. Yeah, I think that you need to, well, it's diversification, you know, for marketing purposes, but I, at the end of the day, people do business with other people. So it, it's extremely important to build those relationships. Yeah. So, and they do it with people they like. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Alex, you're talking about this, you know, global network that you have and, and all the connections. How do you stay in front of and nurture these relationships that you've created and fostered? I think Ike is a big uh, component of it. So Ike, um, for those listening, we reach hundreds of millions through social media impressions every year. And that is a way of people almost feeling like they they're up to date with what you're doing in, in a certain sense, because Ike is so close to uh, our passions in the sports world. But on a more personal level, it's it's not always that easy, but but I think it's the power of giving them like a quality amount of time, whether that's like 30 minutes or a one hour phone call being present during that and that's more powerful than me um, 
consistently checking in. I do have some friends that I'd love to consistently check in and just put things on the calendars just to have conversations with. Um, but I, I try to do these deeper conversations, which brings it back to the podcasting. It's longer, like ingested content because you're spending more time in a continuous bunch. I know myself, I have a decreasing attention span. I think we all do um, just as a result of technology almost. And so to spend those uh, quality amount of time, maybe 30 minutes or more with someone on the phone or in person, I found that to be very, very powerful and help maintain those relationships. Yeah, I, I think there's a, a combination of the, I, I say this in past episodes too, of the, the one-to-many approach by leveraging the different you know tools on social and, and podcasting, but the one-to-one is, is just as important. So it, it's a good balance of the mix. Yeah, you, you got to make sure that you're also like constantly popping up, like you say, kind of it has to be diversified mm-hmm. um, and just stay in their mind. You know, if they if if they think there will be a time where they think of you and you want them to think of you for that thing, whether that's podcasting, whether that's digital strategy. Um, and so in order to do that, you have to have a di- diversified attack, like you said. Mm hmm. Um, here's a fun one for you. If you could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards to your professional career? Ooh, 20 years old. So I was in UW Madison. I was a software engineering student. So that's actually my educational background. Mm -hmm. And one thing I think I wish I would have done more is probably in college. I think it would be to um, further like my relationships with older individuals at that university or just because college is such a great opportunity to meet people. I find that the whole reason, you know, the Ike podcasts have grown to what they are is because of some of these relationships I met in college. For example, the Ike Badgers podcast. When I was 20, I met Zach Bond. He's now a linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. And we met just the old fashioned college way. We became friends because he had a golden retriever, you know, like the most old fashioned way you meet someone through a dog. Mm -hmm. And and we've stayed in contact. Um, We've helped each other professionally both ways. I I did his podcast interviews when he was in the draft process. I was promoting him to help him get his name out there. And he's helped us in return through connections. He he connected us with many Badger players. And so I think like just how much has stemmed from him. I, I imagine more could have been stemmed if I had maybe done more networking events, been out of my comfort zone a little more and a, and a little more open to meeting people of an older age. When you're in college, you, you almost want to just meet your friends and, and do the college things. And I was so heads down in that and, and Um, but those relationships you meet at that age are super valuable for the future. So I think it would have been maybe probably networking a little more. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, other than that, um, I'm pretty proud of graduating as a software engineer. I'm proud of, uh, the decision to move to Norway and move out of my comfort zone. And I'm also proud that back then when I was 20 years old, we, we were putting out Ike content. It's been around for that long. And yeah. so um, 
I'm, I'm very happy that we, we did it. I think if I could give myself some advice, it would be uh, less Twitter, more like, more like more other forms of content or something like that, or maybe uh, always listen to podcasts. That would have been a great one, Lori. Mm-hmm. Is if if in, if I was listening to podcasts when I was 20, in ingesting you know the great information you can get in podcasts, I probably would have been uh, you know a little more ahead in terms of the new social platforms. I would have been earlier to those. I would have sure. been you know ahead on the trends, and and so that that I think would have been a great thing to tell myself is hey, less trap music, you know, <laughs> more uh, mm-hmm. more podcasts. Yeah, that's that. I agree with the, you know, connecting with the more you know senior individuals in the university system, and I, I think students today have a way greater advantage than I did, where you know you had the technology means to stay connected with some of your professors and some of the you know people that you met with that that have life experience to share. Where you know when I went to college, it was. I don't even know if I still have the email addresses of, you know, professors that I had back then. It was like, here's my cell phone number if you need to get yeah. a hold of me. Um, Come by my office. That's right? the only option. Yeah, here's, my, here's my office hours. Um, but, you know, I think just really that that's something I wish I would have done a lot more of, too, is really try to foster relationships with with the people that had the knowledge, the experience and the expertise to, to guide and mentor from the long run and not focus so much on you know, the people that are doing the same thing that I was doing at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Lori, for sure. When, when, how old would you say were you, when you had your first mentor? Um, like that, I really officially said, this is my mentor. I want to say I was like 23. Yeah. I, I think to myself too, I didn't really have any mentors when I was uh, 20 years old. And it, mm-hmm. that's almost one thing that, you know, we're, we're talking about needing those, make, making those connections with those older individuals, that mentorship and is just so important. And I've learned that as I've grown older, that one person can teach you so much if he really cares about you and wants to mentor you in that field yep. that, that uh, it's better than no one, you know, really quality person than almost like, you know, 10 people very shallow who don't maybe want to see your growth in a certain way. So yeah. I think that would have been something I would have told myself too, is maybe seek out a mentor at the university of some sort. Totally. Yes. That is, that is definitely something that I wish I had more of that kind of guidance when I was, when I was younger, Alex, I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me. What's something you'd like to ask me? Okay. So I want to, I want to ask how you got into uh, the whole digital space, because when if we're going back into Ike, it really started as a passion project for us because we loved sports. We loved music and we wanted to do it for the rest of our lives. And so KG and I, we came up with the Ike brand. Brand is a way we can do it. Mm-hmm. And for every person, they have a different story about how they get into building their business or their brand. And I would just want to hear like, what was almost that first like passionate thing that, uh, or not passionate thing that led you into getting into podcasting and digital marketing? Um, yeah, that's great. So I was a non-traditional college student right after high school. I started working full-time at a web development agency. Um, and I was going to school for commercial arts. 
And I ended up uh, switching my major while um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, I saw that everyone at the firm I was working at that was doing like the design development type stuff was at their desk all day, every day. And the people that were um, in more of like the marketing sales networking roles, you know, they were doing the cool things, going to golf outings and events and coffee (laughs) meetings. And I'm like, that's more my style. Um, But also um, I took a sociology course in my undergrad and that was really fascinating to me how um, you know, it's it's a broader picture of marketing where, you know, like commercial art graphic design is a a segment of marketing. And I was just really fascinated by how messaging and visuals have an impact on people's decisions, you know, and, and their society is influenced by certain factors. And that just really kind of um, triggered me to decide to change my major and really pursue marketing. So I think with the mix of being at a develop, web development company, you know, at such a young age and having this kind of aha moment with marketing, the natural evolution of what's happened with the internet. I mean, it's just digital marketing is really where it's, it's, it's all been for me. And I'm just, I did traditional for a while, you know, where you like buy billboards and newspaper ads and that was fun and exciting. And I learned a ton, but digital is just way more fascinating to me. It's changing fast and there's always something new and exciting and, um, there's just so much, you know, data around it too. So I'm not just a creative, I'm also analytical and I like looking at the data and there's so much more information you can capture. And so, yeah, lots of big, I could talk about that for hours, but um, that's kind of where I got started. Well, yeah. And then it's so fascinating how you brought up how you're also analytical because that's kind of something that I feel has been ingrained in me from the sports age where I would- get up and, you know, read the newspaper and just go through the stats, the sports stats, and just take that in. So now that when we're building these podcasts or, you know, doing social media marketing, I'm always looking at the analytics myself as well. Not, not that they're, cause there's bad data. And, and that's just um, a lot of times you have to be able to recognize what's the quality data. I think that's a good skill as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Lori, that's another question for you is how do you recognize quality data and what would you define as maybe in media good analytics oh that's a deep question um i mean you have to you want to double check the triple check double triple check the source of the information that's that's really important make sure that everything is set up properly to be capturing the right information and then you have to really dive in and say what is the story that's being told here you know, is this mm-hmm. just kind of a blip in time that there's a spike in, in traffic? And then, you know, sometimes like for Google Analytics, you go, oh, wow, there's a ton of visitors. Then you kind of dig deeper and you want to like, why did this happen? And maybe it was a spam bot that was trying to hack the site. Well, that's not that's not telling us anything <laughs> of value. Or maybe someone randomly wrote a blog post about you and has a ton of traffic to their site and you're getting all these links coming to your site. So it's just really kind of, you have to dive deeper into the data and really kind of get granular with the data points and say, you know, is it, it, you don't just look at the big picture and go, oh, wow, we had a lot of traffic to your site. You know, you just got to go deep and what is the source of this traffic? Where did it come from? Is this valid traffic or is this, 
you know, someone hacking the system. So, um, well, yeah, no, you mentioned those it. spikes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's like the insights you can take away from them. For example, so many times with Ike, we'll see one of those spikes as well in data. And maybe it's you you got on the right trend. That's something mm-hmm. that's growing in social media so much as are you ahead of the trend? Are you a part of the trend? Whether that's popular hashtags, whether that's searchables, whether that's uh, PPC, are you hitting the right, uh, you know, searches there? Mm-hmm. A- and that is something you almost find out only after you naturally stumble upon it in, in mm-hmm. a certain way, and, unless you have like a mentor who gives you the advice and gets the insights. But for Ike, because KJ and I, we found this all out through trial and error is we would always discover an insight from the data. We could mm-hmm. almost, you know, look back at what we did. And I think that's an important thing too, is to always reflect on um, your growth and, and get into the numbers in a certain sense, because then you can figure out the strategies that were working, which ones maybe you want to experiment more on. And it, it's just kind of develops your skills too, as a marketer. Um, to know that, hey, without even thinking twice about it, I know to include searchables. I know how to format this, how to phrase this so that, mm-hmm. you know, people will run with it. And yep. that, that's kind of like the soft skills or the trade secrets that we develop along the way. Yeah, totally. I mean, the key word that you said is insights. And it's not just you can't just look at the numbers and go, oh, we're doing great or we're performing poorly. You have to go behind the scene and really figure out again, what is the story that's being told here? What is it? How is this happening? Not just, or why is this happening? You know, not just, Oh, it's happening. Mm-hmm. All right. And it, yeah, oh. go ahead. Oh, I was just going to move on to the next one, but if you have any additional ads, insights to add, that's fine. No, I was just, uh, cause the social capital, right. It's like almost social capital is when you, when I think of that word capital, I almost think in a, in a social sense, it's like your numbers. And that's that's been such a great thing for Ike as we've been able to build leverage. We've been able to leverage the brand into deals with NIL athletes because of our numbers, because of our presence. And uh, just the fact that people can just see your sheer numbers, your social capital, and just say, yep, that's legit. If they can do that, they can help us as well. And uh, so I think, you know, that's, that's been a big thing for us too. Love it. it it's a great phrase. And it, it, that tells a lot of story in its own. At least <laughs> in, that's why I named the show that. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Cause I just put that together. Yeah. Just during the show, I was like, huh, very um, nice. Yeah. Thank you. Any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Growing and supporting your network. Your focus determines your reality. Where are you focused? That is something that I have struggled with having multiple passions, uh, maybe not at first knowing what I exactly wanted to do in life. And so having that focus, um, I found has been really important, like going after, you know, a certain type of client, being more uh, niche oriented in a certain way, targeting very important people rather than just a larger group of people. And so we we found great benefits through that. I think podcasting is one of those ways and tools to grow your network through a focus. Every podcast has to have a focus in order to attract listeners. 
And so whether it's a sports team, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, fintech, um, anything, having a clear focus is going to help you network within that group and lead, uh, lead to good results. I agree with you 100%. <laughs> yeah. Be, being focused and having some clarity on what it is that you're, you're trying to achieve makes, makes it a lot easier to actually achieve that goal. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it just takes writing it down or speaking it out loud. Yep. Telling the universe, this is what I'm doing. Then there's accountability there. Yeah. <laughs> That's also a big one. Take responsibility. <laughs> you know, no one's going to do it for you in that, in that way. No one's going to network for you. That's yep. one of those tough things. You got to go out there and just talk to a stranger, whether you like it or not. <laughs> so Alex, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? The best way is to just send me an email to welcome to Ike at gmail.com. Again, that's welcome to Ike at gmail.com. And we check that we'll respond. Um, can be about anything. And uh, we'd be very happy to give you a free consultation on how a podcast can help your business or just have a general discussion about media marketing um, or podcasting in general. Or music, if you if you want to, you know, talk about music, where I'm always great to talk about that as well. Um, yeah, that's the easiest way. Cool. We'll include that in our show notes for sure. All right. So uh, thanks so much for being on the show today, Lori. Thank you for having me. Great to reconnect, and thank you to the listeners for, uh, you know, tuning in. Absolutely. All right. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. Huge thank you to Alex for taking the time to connect with us all the way from Oslo, Norway. As mentioned before, let's connect on LinkedIn. I look forward to hearing from you, and I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Most importantly, go reach out, connect with someone, reconnect with someone from your past, or find someone new that you'd like to connect with. That's what it's all about. Now go build those relationships. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.